Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, today we wrap up a series. This is our seventh week in this series, and we've called it In Formation because that's the truth of what we should be. If you're new to this Christianity thing and you're still kind of checking it out, that's fine. You are welcome to be here and to just kind of look. This is a safe place to ask questions and, and, and to say, hey, what about this and what about that? And kind of explore who Jesus is. But for those of us who believe that Jesus and embrace that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus was showed us how to live what it, what it really looks like to be human, that God was in Christ making us right with him and has given us new life. Those of us who have embraced that, then we should be in formation constantly. That praise God, God, we, we've used this illustration every week that no matter what our life looks like when, when we come to God, and we can come to God just as we are. We can come to him exactly the way we are and kind of formless and not really understand what's going on. And he fully embraces us. And we put the fullness of our lives into his hands. And then he be- will begin to form us. And that is what this process, we use words like discipleship or, or Christian maturity or these different things. It's just growing in who God intended us to be all along. And so that's what this series has been about, is just spiritual maturity. And that can honestly be a little bit of an intimidating subject. So we've used a very unintimidating um, uh, subject matter to be able to do that. And I think everybody hopefully has some sort of positive connection to, in their childhood to just a, a nice thing of Play-Doh and being able to to form things and create things, and, and that's what God is wanting to do in our lives. And so if you just open up your, your bulletin, open up your Bible app, however it is you're going to track along in the notes this morning, that we've got this idea that we've looked at literally seven times now. To truly move forward in God, we must let him form our lives. That is what we do. And it's a constant back and forth. You know, I would love to say, you know, that I just fully place my life in God's hands and just let him form it. But you know what? I'm just like the rest of you. I'm like, okay, God, you can have me. Eh, God, maybe not that part. Eh, no, God, I'm not doing so good. Here, you can have me again. Eh, eh, don't mess with that. And it's a kind of a back and forth thing. And we all do that. And so we've got to let him form our lives. And as we've been jumping off each week with Romans 8, 28 and 29. And if you've been around church for a while, you're familiar with this passage because we go to this passage a lot of times when things don't go good because we all want things to go good in our lives and good to come out of things. And so we tend to go to this passage when things don't go good and we want God to create some good out of the stuff that's not so good. And But really, this is not just a when things kind of go sideways passage and Uh, in the scriptures, this is an everyday passage. And let's just go ahead and look at it one more time. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So he works in all things. Yes, the ugly things, yes, the messed up things, but in the daily things, he works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is what we are being transformed into. We're being transformed into the spiritual image of Jesus. We're being transformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, as we have kind of unpacked this scripture for seven weeks now, and I've done, uh, I've made sure that we have disconnected only the bad things in life, being God being able to turn to good, that, that Romans 8, 28 is an everyday passage of Scripture. Today, as we wrap the series up, we are going to look at that God will even take the messed up stuff in our life and turn it to good, the more traditional view of the, this passage of Scripture. And so when uh, something not good happens, it's nice to know that God can take even the not good and turn it into a place of good. See, God is so good that there is nothing that we can throw at our lives or our lives can throw at us that God can't, if we put it in his hands, he utilize it for good. That there are just so many different things that a struggle becomes this place of strength that this place of testing becomes a testimony that he begins to work in our lives on all of these different places if we will let him do that. Here's the problem with things going not good. When you have something that goes not good, there is this residual thing called disappointment that goes along with it, and it kind of tags along, okay? You've ever kind of eaten something that wasn't, that was maybe sour, and you immediately spit it out of your mouth. It's gone, it's out of your mouth. Here's the problem is that there was this residue, this aftertaste of that, that you're like, oh man, I need need something else in here to get rid of that nasty flavor and disappointment. Just this overall feeling and this weight of disappointment is that aftertaste that goes on. And it can begin to taint everything else that begins to come in. Even so, like you brush your teeth and go to drink orange juice. You've done that before, right? All of a sudden, bad idea. Orange juice doesn't taste like orange juice after brushing your teeth. And so that because you thought that the toothpaste was out of your mouth. You thought it was gone. You weren't conscious of the flavor till the orange juice hit, and then it changed it. It changed the flavor. And disappointment can begin to do that in our lives. We think we got over it. We think we got things, and then a new experience happens in our life, and that residual disappointment begins to taint those new experiences. And so what we need to do is to learn to be able to let God deal with not just bringing some good out of the not so good, but to also deliver us from this thing of just this residual disappointment because disappointment can just be so, it can just totally take the wind out of your sails. You know, there's some pain that can happen in life that's painful, you know, but you can take some ibuprofen or you can take something for it and kind of begin to get over it. But then that, what do you do? How do you get over disappointment? And sometimes disappointment is more crippling than actually some sort of injury. A long time ago, uh, when uh, Keenan was 10 years old, uh, he's 26 now, 
And uh, that boy loved camp. He loved going to country camp and going out into Columbus, Texas. And so, and he was 10. He was finally getting to go to camp without mom and dad as youth pastors and, and overseeing kids' ministry. Every time he went to camp, mom and dad was there, which he had a great time. But he was, this year he was going to camp, and he was not going with mom and dad. He was going to have some spending money. It was not a three-day camp. It was a four-day camp, so he was going to get one extra day there. And he was going with my good buddy Roy Zesh, and they were sitting there loaded up on a hot bus and go down for the long journey from San Angelo, Texas to Columbus, Texas, and go to camp. And this country camp has water slides, three water slides. And Keenan loved them. He had psyched himself up. He was ready to go to camp. That is all he could think about. That is all he could talk about. He was just so pumped. He had done the fundraisers. He had done the stuff, packed his bags, got on the bus, got there, and as ready as he was for camp, camp got ready for him to the point that they recoded and repainted those water slides and got a brand new good coating on those Water slides, a, a good old, that, that blue paint you see on, out at Brown's Pool. If you've been to Brown's Pool and they repainted it, it's that blue. And so they're, it's repainted. So he goes, gets in line. He's not at camp for an hour. He's not there for an hour. Gets in line, gets on the water slide, sits there. And Keenan at 10 was not as intense about his personal appearance as he's been since he's been probably 14. And so, uh, you know, currently, you know, you won't see Keenan disheveled. You never know when somebody wants to snap a selfie, get a pic, something's going to happen. Keenan's always pretty put together. At 10 years old, Keenan was not put together. And uh, his toenails were not properly groomed. And he gets on the water slide, and he's going down, feet first, like a good little camper. They rolls over on his stomach, so now his toenails are facing the water slide, and that brand new paint maybe had not cured something, but he hits his toenail on that and gets a, t a paint chip straight up his toenail to the quick. I mean, it just all the way up, and it looks like somebody just took some blue paint and just gave him a nice quarter-inch stripe all the way down his toenail, except but it was underneath. So we get the call, and it's like, you know, Roy calls, and Roy's like, hey, you know, Roy's an old ranching guy. He's like, I think he's fine, you know. And so, and Keenan's on the, Keenan's on the uh, other line, and he's like, Dad, I'm totally good. I'm good. I can still camp. And uh, Cutie was not so convinced that her son with paint shoved up to the quick and all that, so then we were like, okay, well, we're going to meet. We're going to meet halfway in Austin, and we end up in an ER at 1 o'clock in the morning in Austin, Texas. And I want to tell you, some of that keep Austin weird stuff, it ends up in the ER because we saw it, and it was scary at 1 o'clock in the morning in the Austin ER. And um, I was like, we need an extra prayer life to go up right here right now. And so we're there and doing the thing, and they've remove the stuff that needs to be removed. And as we have Keenan back and his toes all wrapped up, and we're like, dude, I'm sorry, we're just bringing you home. Um, that disappointment of missing camp was 10 times heavier than the injury he had to his toe. 
than the fact that they had to stick needles into his toe and be able to deaden it and do the procedure that they needed to do. The disappointment weighed 10 times heavier. He would have rather just muscled through all of that and been at camp than deal with the disappointment. And there are times, you know, that all of a sudden disappointment weighs so heavily and it can be this, this weight we carry because it's embarrassing to say that you're suffering under the weight of just simply being disappointed. People understand a real injury. People understand a real loss. But when things don't kind of work out the way you wanted to and you got your hopes up, then all of a sudden, man, that kind of thing can, that can be just crushing. And we can just end up suffering with that silently because we feel silly about bringing it up, but that weight of that disappointment of whatever it is in life, whether just a dream that you began to pursue and things didn't work quite the way they, you thought they were going to work out, maybe it was a relationship that fell apart, and that disappointment is just crippling, maybe a number of different things, all of our hopes are in this place, and we need to understand that, that when disappointment comes in, it comes in and it attacks our very hopes. See, we should not be formed or we should be formed by God's love and not life's disappointments. But we can find ourselves quietly being shaped and formed by disappointments. How many times, especially as adults, you know, that the, that the things we'd wanted for ourselves at 10 12, 15, 16, 18 years old, and we look up and we're 38. And some of those dreams that we had are just shattered. They're gone. And we're just looking to make it through the day. And all of a sudden, this just residual time after time, disappointment after disappointment just begins to wear at your soul. And we've got to let God begin to come in and rejuvenate and bring that life into us. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we have a God of hope, and he fills us with all joy and peace. But disappointment comes in, and it attacks our hope which then when it attacks our hope, it begins to erode our joy and peace. We can begin to look at our lives and see, why am I just a little unsettled all the time? Why am I not quiet at peace all the time? Why can I not really enjoy the little things in life anymore? And I bet when we begin to peel back the layers and we can't find one big pivotal moment, that that moment crushed me. It was a little disappointment after little disappointment after little disappointment. It was the missed promotion as you swung for the fences and you started a new business and it didn't work out. There's all of these different things to begin to do and then all of a sudden it just begins to just quietly begin to reduce our lives and, and pull our hope and peace and, and rob us of our joy. So as we look through the scriptures, disappointment is not something that the Bible is missing. Every person we see in the scriptures, the, I love the realness of it because there's just, it's just so honest about the fact that there's just layers and layers and layers of disappointment. 
And obviously, we go back to, to Abraham, the father of our faith, who, who goes out and begins a journey as, as God begins to tell him, hey, I'm, I'm going to show you and going to show you to a land. And, and he begins to prosper, and things begin to go good. And finally, there's a conversation with God, and he's like, Lord, what, what, what are you going to do for me since I go childless? His biggest hope, his biggest aspiration was to have an heir, to have a, have a, have a child. And here he was in his 70s and had no child and felt like there was no hope to have a child. And God in that moment begins to say, you know what, don't let all of those moments of disappointment begin to erode your hope. I'm going to provide you a child. And he had to face his disappointment. We see Joseph years later as Joseph is favored and things are going good in his dad's house. He's the youngest son, but kind of gets put in charge. And all the brothers, his old brothers hate him. Just rough because he's loved by his dad and hated by his brothers. What an awkward place to be. And finally, they can't take it anymore because they're out doing the shepherding work. And dad says, hey, Joseph, go check and see how they're doing. And nobody wants to be checked on by their little brother. And they seem far off. And he's had these dreams that they're all going to bow down to him. So he's got a dream in his heart, and they're offended at his dream. There have been people in your life who have been offended at your dreams. Don't let somebody else's offense at your dreams begin to seed more disappointment into you and begin to stuff down the promise that God has given you. None of us are called to live small lives. None of us are called to, to, have, to not live a life of consequence. We're all called to impact not just our sphere, but generations, all of us. But we begin to, the enemy begins to work on us and try to make us see our lives smaller and smaller and smaller, year by year, disappointment by disappointment, slice by slice. And Joseph has to push through that, and his brothers attack him, and they think that he thinks they're going to kill him, and they chunk him in a well and, and then sell him off as a slave, and and he gets sold as a slave, and he's like, this is terrible. And, and then all of a sudden, a guy buys him, and he's owned, and he's in a foreign land. And he does what Joseph does, and he just begins to work, take care of business. And he, he rises up real quick, ends up being put in charge of Potiphar's house. Things go good. He's like, oh, finally. Then all of a sudden, poor guy no fault of his own. He was just good looking. And the uh, Potiphar's cougar wife had a problem with that. And she wanted him. And she pursued him. And she would just straight up, Scripture say it, she would say, come sleep with me. And he's like, no, I cannot do this thing that would offend my master and my God. And she finally just throws herself at him. And he runs away and she pulls his cloak off and then she uses it as a deal to lie and say, he tried to rape me. And see, he left his cloak behind. He was disrobing so he could come at me. Potiphar throws him in jail. Man, just this up and down of this disappointment. Disappointment ends up in jail and begins to, to just minister to people and has this prophetic gifting and helps a guy out and says, hey, remember me? And the guy doesn't remember him. Ends up running the prison. And 
And then there's just all of these layers of disappointment. Finally, he ends up and gets made prime minister, and that seems pretty good. And then his family shows up one day not knowing who he is. He's hit in the face with his betrayal, with the biggest disappointment in his life, and he's at the top of his game, and his backstabbing brothers show up right in his face, and they don't recognize him. He's got to deal with that. All of this stuff, the scriptures don't gloss over the fact that disappointment's hard. And it's layered through there. We get to the place even when the, in Jesus' time, and Jesus has this conversation with these two guys on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. And they had been in Jerusalem, and, and they're talking, and they don't recognize Jesus. And, and Jesus says, well, what, what, are you, what, what are you all discussing? And they're like, did you not? Do you not know what happened this weekend? Do you not know about Jesus? They begin to tell Jesus about Jesus. They're like, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was going to be this and that. And man, he, you know, they, they killed him. And there's some people who say, you know, that he rose, but we're just crushed. And there they are talking to the risen Savior, and they don't realize it. And Jesus begins to open up the scriptures and begin to show and unpack that what they thought was losses was actually prophesied as wins all along. And then all of a sudden, he begins to show them, and then they finally realize who he was. And and there's just all of these places where disappointment shows up. But I want us to look right quick at a spot in uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 5. (coughs) pardon me, he says, and one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in his condition for a long time, he asked him. So this is a guy who can't move. He's a paralytic, okay? And he's lying in this place um, where there's this pool of water. And they're believed, they believed that an angel would come. The Bible doesn't say that this actually happened or anybody actually got healed, but this was what was kind of the superstition in this space, that an angel would come and, and stir the waters up, and when the waters got stirred, the first person that jumped into the pool would get healed. So, man, you know, you get desperate, and, and you'll begin to pursue these different things, and this guy got somebody to come lay him by the pool, and he was waiting for the waters to be stirred, and somebody to chunk him in the pool so he could get so he could get healed and Jesus talks to this guy who's who this is his mindset and he says do you want to get well it's a pretty straightforward answer question do you want to get well yes or no pretty straightforward he didn't answer it straightforward he says sir the invalid replied i have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. There he is. He can't even address the question because to want to get healed and to give a resounding yes would be to have all of his hope begin to be stirred up and all he can do. And he can't say no because he really wants it. So what does he answer with? He answers with his obstacles. No one's here to help me. Nobody cares about me. No one will come and sit and be with me in my pain. 
until my opportunity to, to get healed when this mysterious stirring of the waters happens. Nobody will, could, will sit there and, and chunk me in. Just sit there and just chunk me. You don't have to put me in easy. Just chunk me in. That's all he wanted. And, and he's sitting there talking to the miracle man himself, asking, do you want to be healed? And all of his years of disappointment come in, and all he can see are his obstacles. When we let disappointment begin to all of a sudden begin to, to taint, you'll know you've got, everything has been flavored by the residual thing of disappointment. When you, when you begin to talk about your dream and immediately all the obstacles is all that comes to your mind. Obstacle. I've always wanted to, to, to do this with my life. Ah, but I don't have the education. Oh, but I don't have this. Oh, but man, the market's already saturated. Oh, this, oh, this. It's just obstacle, 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 obstacle. You've been tainted by disappointment. We've got to let that disappointment begin to be cut out because God has a next step for you. And you can't take your next step until you quit looking at the obstacles that are right in your path. See, Jesus ignored his answer. It says, and then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, this is a guy who've already stated, I can't throw myself into the water. And Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. He doesn't say, you're healed. And then all of a sudden, he like gets some Holy Ghost zap and, whoo, I am healed. Now pick up your mat and walk. Now do something with your healing. No. He gave him his next step. You want to be healed? Pick up your mat and walk. When Jesus spoke that, the guy was still as paralyzed as ever. But at some point, when the guy begins to get his mind off of his obstacles, get his mind off of those other things, and begin to get his mind on what Jesus has just declared, that guess what? Maybe I can get up. Maybe I can pick up my mat. Maybe I can walk. Then as soon as his mind began to engage on that and not his obstacles, something begins to take place in his physical body and it says and at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked and that <clears throat> that day on which this took place it was a sabbath and so the jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed it's the sabbath the law forbids you to carry your mat this guy had been paralyzed for 38 years he gets miraculously healed They've seen the dude before. Nobody goes, oh, this is amazing. They're like, you're not supposed to do that with your healing. You're not supposed to be carrying your mat. What are you doing? My goodness. Folks, there are going to be people that no matter what incredible thing happens in their life, they're going to find fault with it. There are. That's why we talked about dealing with the opinions of others last week. Because if we don't get that in check, we're not going to be able to get this in check. If we're still tainted by the opinions of others, we're not going to be able to actually push out the disappointment. Because people's opinions will keep hurling disappointment into our lives. And so this guy had to not care that his healing offended somebody. 
that him doing what God told him to do offended somebody. I guarantee whatever you do that God has instructed you to do, it's going to offend somebody. Somebody's going to have a problem with it. And so we have to be willing to just move forward with God, and we can just get so crippled by disappointment. When we used to office downtown before we bought this building, um, we officed downtown for a number of years there on Tuig, and um, there was a homeless man that would come into the office, and we began to build a, a good relationship with him, and um, he lived down on the, the Concho River. He would stay there under a concrete picnic table, and that's where he would, that's where he would sleep. And he would come into the office. Um, he had his radio, and he liked to listen to his music. And so he needed batteries, and we kept batteries there in the office to, to keep, um, keep his uh, radio playing. We'd keep some snacks that he could um, that he could eat and keep some food for him and some bottles of water, and he would come in. And uh, sometimes he would visit for, you know, an hour or so, and we began to build a relationship with him. And, and um, at, at one point, he, he'd get a job, and, and so we would celebrate that with him, and he'd begin to get on his feet and, and um, had an apartment lined up. And, man, we were just doing all that we could and, and um, helping him get moving in the right direction. And, man, it would just, things would begin to go a little bit sideways, and poof, we wouldn't see him for a little while. And then I want to check on him and be worried about him. And then he'd finally, he would pop in, and it's like, you know, but what's going on? You know, what, what's going on? And he's like, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And he had been homeless by choice for years and would continue to stay homeless by choice. I've seen him around town recently. He's still homeless by choice. And um, nice guy. And, uh, but he said, I just, I can't, I can't make plans because when they don't work out, I can't handle the disappointment. I can't handle it. And when somebody can't make plans, you don't realize how many plans you make. You have a plan of where you're going to sleep tonight. You have a plan on some degree of what you're going to do tomorrow. You have a plan on what you're going to do a little bit later. There's some groceries in your cupboard. You have a plan to eat those groceries at some point. You have some plans, just these plans that are just there. And then you have bigger plans and different layers of plans. And this poor guy could not handle any kind of plan because any kind of disappointment would just crush him. And I can't tell how many times he just sat in our office and, and, and cried. He would just cry. At just these different things, that things didn't work out or somebody was harsh with him or these different things would take place and he just couldn't handle it. And the only lifestyle that allows no plans whatsoever is a homeless lifestyle where you don't know where you're going to sleep and you don't know what you're going to eat and there's no plan and you're just like, I'll figure it out as I figure it out. And that is the ultimate extreme of being so shaped by disappointment that you can't even pursue anything at all. Most of us are not there. But I think all of us have had our lives pruned back on some level by disappointment. We're living smaller, we're dreaming smaller, we're doing smaller because disappointment has come in. 
and has, has pruned us back. See, in that, in dealing with these issues, we have to, to know that even when the disappointing things happen, and they're going to, we see it all through the scriptures, it's going to happen. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome. That trouble, it's disappointing. We didn't want it, we didn't plan on it. It's disappointing. But when that happens, we have to know that God is still God and will work things out for our good. This is where we come back to Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There in Genesis 50, 20, we talked about Joseph. And he finally there at the, at, <clears throat> towards the, the end of his struggles and dealing with his family and the restoration, he tells his family this. He says, don't you see you planned evil against me? He didn't say, oh, you didn't really mean it. No, he's like, you planned evil. You guys were jacked up. You planned evil against me. But God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you now, life for many people. He saw that God turned those things, those evil plans from others, he turned them into good. Romans 5, 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, our response or responses to disappointment, they determine their influence on our lives. Disappointments are gonna happen, but the way we respond to those, that's gonna determine what level of influence they're gonna have on our lives. And folks, we need to understand that some things are disappointing and are hurtful because they're outside of God's will for our life. That is why we want to choose God's ways over our ways. We can't sit there and say, God, you know what? I, maybe you don't really know what you're doing. I'm going to do this, but I, I want to do it my way without disappointment. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's not. We're going to sit there and we're going to find God's blessing, God's peace in doing things his way. That is what this whole information process is, is allowing his ways to become our ways. And when we do things outside of his way, it will always end up in disappointment. It always will. It may be okay for a little bit, but the end result will always be disappointment. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. This repentance, a lot of people think repentance is just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and having some place of regret. No, the Greek word translated repentance means to, to change direction. Repentance brings about a, a choosing a different way to, to live, a different way of choosing. That's what real repentance is. We can sit there and regret what we're doing and then do the same dumb thing again. Saying I'm sorry wasn't repentance. Choosing a new way to live, that is repentance. And then Psalms 43, 5. It says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The last thing we want to look at is this focus on the grace and the goodness of God. First Thessalonians 5, verse 15. It says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, 
but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for us is to be giving thanks in all circumstances. It's not that all circumstances are God's will for us. But understanding that he can work and we can stay grateful even in the middle of a mess. Galatians 6, 9 says, let, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In Psalms 126, verse 6 says, he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. There are times that, yes, the sorrow will be there, but we go out with hope, and that's what sowing seed always is, is we're expecting that something good is, is going to grow out of this thing. And there are times we will sow our seeds of hope, even with tears on our face. And it says, but when we do that, when we move forward with that, then we will get the, the, get the harvest of that and have returned with songs of joy. Today, our bottom line, folks, is this. Let the God of hope form your life with hope. It's his hope that should be the most formative thing in our lives. Not the disappointment, not all of those different things. And I get it. I get it. Those things hit, they hit hard, and they're tough. But I'm telling you, God, if we will let him and we'll put the fullness of our lives into his hands, he will begin to shape even those difficult, challenging moments and turn them into these places of blessing and good. But we've got to let him have those and keep our hope in him and him alone. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.